the word of God, I invite servant of God to the podium. Let us welcome. Praise the Lord. It's a joy to be with you. I think I am visiting the church after a gap of almost 10 or 12 years. Uh, I want to thank you for your partnership and love for us as a family and the ministries that we have been carrying on our shoulders. When I first came for ICPF, there was great endorsement from the church and believers here. And since 2002, I have come several times uh, and promoted the course of leadership development for the developing churches in India through IPC Seminary at Kotiam. And uh, when I first came, it was a small place. We had 16 students when I first represented the seminary to you. We were uh, living in marshy land, slushy ground, in uh, uh, makeshift arrangements. But may I praise God for your partnership. Many of you have trusted the vision, joined as load-bearing pillars of this ministry. And to the glory of God, may I say, God has given us tremendous growth. 850 plus of our graduates are serving in North India, mostly in North India. We have now expanded training programs and modules through distance education, online education, residential education, to the glory of God, currently we have 800 plus active students. And those of you who may are interested in uh, doing some theological education, may I invite you to join, search our website. There is online Master of Arts in Theology and Master of Divinity, accredited by Asia Theological Association. It's for you to grab. It's excellent value for money. And I'm also very happy today to worship God along with uh, some of my friends. Particularly, uh, may I say that uh, Pastor Sam George and Julie with their two boys are here. Pastor Sam was my colleague in ICPF once upon a time. And later he joined uh, our seminary team to develop work in Bihar and uh, uh, east of Uttar Pradesh. God used him to lay the foundation of the ministry there. I had the privilege of teaching both of them in SIACS later on, and uh, then they joined the faculty of New Life Assemblies of God Seminary. I'm so happy they have moved to the United States and they are here. I praise God for this wonderful couple, their cause, and their commitment to the gospel. I'm also very happy that Pastor C.D. Abraham and his family are here. Uh, they moved from Bangalore uh, about five years back, I think, or maybe a bit longer than that. Uh, but I'm happy they are here. And most of you are very dear. May I not spend more time picking out your names. I love you. You love me. We know that. And uh, you know how many of you came forward uh, to give me a hug or shake hands. And that's, that means a great affirmation. Thank you. I always am grateful to God and I rejoice in this one fact. Wherever we travel around, there are God's people who are happy to receive us and to endorse us and to take care of us. Thank you. Many of you belong to that group. This morning, when do I start? Do I start now or when did I start? <laughs> do I start now or uh, I've taken how many minutes of introduction? Please tell me. 
I forgot to look at the clock. Okay. Thank you very much. I understand your silence. <laughs> Pastor Finney Samuel has given me a time to work in this church. So I should be obedient. Would you please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel according to Luke chapter 9. I don't know why. God has burdened my heart to speak to you from a very difficult text. Would you turn in your Gospels to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. And I want to stay focused from verses 51 to the end of the chapter. Beginning at verse 51 in Luke's gospel, Jesus is on a journey. Prior to this, after his baptism, Jesus was spreading the gospel, preaching the gospel in Galilee. Now, having made a significant revelation about his identity to his disciples and the nature of his messiahship, Jesus and his team, they are on a journey to Jerusalem. Verse 51 makes it very clear. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. To be taken up can mean either his ascension or his crucifixion and ascension or as a... Uh, a general way or an idiomatic way of referring to a pilgrimage made to Jerusalem. The songs of ascent that we find in the book of Psalms, is it that I tend to think it refers to the climax of the gospel. Jesus resolved to go to Jerusalem and nothing can deflect him from that set purpose. It's a resolution. It is, you know, idiomatically you can say, he set his face like a flint, straightforward, focused. No persuasion can deviate him. And the disciples join him along the journey, and he sends... Uh, preparatory teams to prepare the towns and villages that he will be visiting. And in the first, the first part of the story speaks about their passing through Samaria. Now normally Jews, good Jews, who were concerned about purity, contamination, ritual uh, purity so that they could uh, approach God at any time 24-7, would avoid the shorter route through Samaria and would take a longer roundabout route. But we read in John's Gospel and here that Jesus went through Samaria and he was not afraid of being defiled. The pilot teams were not received well in Samaria. They were rejected. And then two of his um, Excited disciples asked the Lord, Sir, shall we bring down fire from heaven that these Samaritan towns that did not receive you will be condemned or judged? If you read this passage and the subsequent passage, there is an Elijah filter in it. It is Elijah who prayed and brought down fire from heaven. 
these disciples, the sons of Sebedee, were so excited about the investment of power and authority that Jesus had given to them as his chosen apostles. And now, because Jesus and his team has been rejected, a formal welcome, they are agitated and they are asking, Sir, shall we behave like the prophet Elijah? Some scholars think that is why they got my name. They are called sons of thunder. And my name is also something related to that. Bo and Erges, sons of thunder. Now, is it that or their enthusiasm or whatever? No, it was a nickname that the Lord Jesus Christ gifted to the sons of Zebedee. He rebukes them. The power given to you is not to destroy people, but to patiently endure even rejection that somehow they will come across, meet, meet with the God of grace and long-suffering. As they move on, journey on, we find three unnamed people in commentaries and normal sermons, we find this as entitled, The Cost of Discipleship. You know, usually I would preach from this in a youth camp because the passage has uh, been very uh, influential upon my own spiritual formation. I believe God has a message for somebody here. That's why I was restless about this passage. You know, as a visiting pa pastor, you don't want to make your congregation uh, live in fear. You want them to be relaxed and released so that they write better checks. Now, those ulterior motives will have to be sacrificed, thank God. There are three unnamed gentlemen here. Two of them, the first in verse 57... And the last in verse 61, volunteer. They come to Jesus and they volunteer to be his followers. In the Middle East, somebody in verse 59, we have Jesus inviting someone else to follow him. There are three people. Two of them volunteer to follow Jesus and one of them is given a gracious invitation. Did they ever follow Jesus after this? We do not know. Luke doesn't bother to record the response of the people. Luke wants his readers to stumble over Jesus' response that generations to come, disciples to be made through the centuries, will pause and reflect. I hope that's what you will do today. When the first one comes, says, sir, I will follow you wherever you go. There is no condition that he has. Wherever you go. Paya, do you know that Jesus is on a journey to Jerusalem? What do you think about this great journey that he is undertaking? Do you think he is going to drive out the Romans and capture power and cleanse Israel of all its impurities and be coronated 
as the son of David? Is it what you're thinking? There is a partial truth in it. But he is embarked on a journey where he will be rejected, insulted, crucified, and later vindicated by his father. So, in order, it's a very, you know, very powerful teaching session. Jesus asks, makes, makes a statement to him. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Those of you who attended the Malayalam service and were uh, uh, taught from Psalms 25 should, if you were awake then and if you are awake now, see a disconnect here. Pastor, I am not disagreeing with you. Not at all. I'm just, I just want to, to highlight a big disconnect here. Would you turn in your Bibles to Psalms 25? And in his exhortation, the man of God narrated six blessings which a child of God is given in Psalms 25, which are what we need to claim. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Verse 12. Him will the Lord instruct in the way that he should choose guidance. His soul shall abide in well-being protection. His offspring, offspring shall inherit the land legacies. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he reveals his secrets to him. And he instructs him his covenants. The covenant promises to those who fear the Lord prosperity, security, guidance, victory over their enemies. There is protection, there is flourishing, there is physical security. Each man under his own in his own garden, tending his own garden, raising his own sheep. The enemy will never prevail over him. That is the protection promise to those who fear the Lord. And here, as this person comes with enthusiasm to follow, Jesus tells him, none of the above. Yes, there are promises and covenantal promises but if you choose to follow me, I am going to challenge you. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. This is the way how ancient Roman historians described the fate of the Roman army. That the Roman army as it marches to conquer nations and lands hitherto celebrating their independence, they would sleep in the open air. They don't have a good bed to sleep, no security. They take risks that while wild animals, the bees have a place to retire. The Roman army stays awake or faces danger for the glory of Rome. 
Jesus describes or paints the son of man as a homeless wanderer have you not seen homeless people at least you would have watched some uh, news uh, uh, channels showing how uh, the ngos or the salvation army people go and pick up uh, uh, paved dwellers homeless people and house them in uh, under security good protection coverage does anybody here want to be homeless our problem is we have more than one we may be staying here and have investment property in florida or where else i don't know maybe in paris i don't know look at the self description of the son of man and i want you to see the truth of incarnation he though he was in the form of god clothed with majesty when he emptied himself and became a human being to accomplish his father's will and purpose for him in order to accomplish his destiny the son of man was born as a homeless person where was jesus born his life even the stay he had in uh, in in galilee during his public ministry was perhaps in the homes of friends and he is on his way to jerusalem of course enjoying friendship and hospitality where he will die on a cross and will be laid to rest in a borrowed sepulcher look at the picture of grace consider a god whose love we sang and celebrated jesus the son of man to whom all dominion and kingdom and authority will be given whose kingdom shall never end the authorized leader and god's governor of the universe his self description is i am a homeless wanderer on earth and the question is would you like to follow me you see where prosperity is marketed blessing is marketed where we assure people that salvation is security peace joy flourishing when your little will be multiplied you will be the head and not the tail there is great excitement and hallelujahs because people want to grab on to that that which will take that faith which will take them mustard seed and multiply it as a chain of mustard seed shops but when there is an invitation to join god to walk with jesus in the way and the path of suffering sacrifice is there an excitement let's look at a second guy jesus invites him i am sure any church i visit 
there will be somebody in the pews who was sure about an invitation from Jesus and who refused to say yes. That's our private story. That's somebody's story. I want to speak to you tonight, this morning. Jesus invited him, come follow me. The man comes up with a very legitimate excuse, sir, I will follow you. No hesitations. But give me one permission, just one permission. Allow me to bury my father. According to the law of Moses, one of the covenantal stipulations made on children was that they will give their parents an honorable burial. Just as parents were expected to look after their children and raise them in discipline and godliness, children were expected to honor their parents through a glorious, honorable farewell. That was the responsibility of children. Is this man asking Jesus something against God? So people begin to wonder, was his father in sickbed? Or was his father already dead? If his father had died for seven days, he is not expected to walk around and contaminate others. What business did he have to join the Jesus crowd and ask for a conversation? So people wobble you know, between these two and usually they say father was probably aged and very sick. And he, as the son, responsible son, he wanted to fulfill his duties. But there is another cultural side to it. That is, the Jews had normally two burials. The first was the burial of the physical body. In about any year's time, after the body has decayed, they will open the sepulchre, collect the bones, and hide them in earthenware pots, ossuaries, and give a second burial. You know, the great man of God, Joseph, made his brother's promise that when the Lord takes you back from Egypt to the promised land, carry my bones along. That was a statement of faith. It was a statement of faith. Yes, you know, that type of a second burial. So I have uh, good scholars who teach me that way. That in fact his father was already buried and he was asking time for the second burial when he could give a grand finale, a climax to his sonly duties. Jesus makes a strange comment. Leave the dead to bury their dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Here is a choice this man has to make. While his desire to honor his father, walk the second mile and give that second burial to his father is a legitimate sonly desire. Jesus says, look, while you have legitimate claims, the kingdom, the Lord's army may demand 
a break of some loyalties and prioritize its urgency. Suppose you serve the army. You know, I should have been commissioned in the goodness of God. I did not get commissioned. I am deaf. So even if there is another world war, they will not call me back. But majority of my classmates who graduated high school uh, retired as officers in the Army, Navy, or Air Force. About 34 of them in a batch of 74. And several of their children have joined the uniform services. Recently, there was a move, there was a move of the Indian Armed Forces towards a particular area. I'm not supposed to say this. My friend's son, who was on vacation, had to cut short his vacation and go back. I went and prayed with the parents. He was on vacation. A young married officer who has a young wife. And he was looking forward to this vacation. But he was never allowed that legitimate privilege of a military officer to spend that apportioned time with his family. He was called back. He just went. You see, there are legitimate needs. There are promises. There are commitments that the government makes. But there are times when the nation's needs overrides the officer's legitimate rights. Jesus called this man to give him a new pair of spectacles. To put before his eyes a way of looking at the urgency of the message. The necessity to proclaim the message. That he would prioritize God's will, doing God's will and call upon his life as superior to every other competing demand over his life. Look at the third one. Here is the, again the Elijah factor, Elisha factor coming in. You know in the book of, in the, in the, in the Elijah, Elisha stories, how Elisha is plowing his field and uh, uh, how Elijah throws his cloak upon him and uh, Elisha asks for permission. Let me go and kiss goodbye to my parents. Elijah allowed Elisha to do that. But in this particular case, Jesus tells this young man, you cannot plow holding your plow in one direction and looking back. In the terrain of Israel or Galilee, you know, agricultural land is not as fertile or good as uh, American uh, uh, land. Here you just throw a seed and three months later you say, Pastor, I don't have place to keep all my bitter gourd collected. Uh, will you please take a supply to my brother who stays in some other place? Isn't it? Land was not so fertile. It was rocky terrain, stony terrain. So a farmer had to be careful the way he led his oxen 
and he held his plow if you hold the plow drive the animal and look back you cannot make a straight furrow jesus tells him no one who has placed his hand to the plow and engaged in plowing can turn back remember lot's wife an emergency intervention and rescue she turned back look at israel god rescued them from the land of slavery but while god was leading them they looked back and began to become grouchy brothers and sisters this clock is not a very obedient clock i need to conclude who is here today morning who is looking for legitimate reasons not to answer god's claim on his or her life the gracious god speaks to you this morning to say look your parents your job your children your reputation these are very important but i have something more important and urgent which i want to entrust with you will he get an exciting answer saying lord i will obey there are others who can do the responsibilities that you think need to be done but there is a particular call upon your life we have volunteered to do so many things for god and god's kingdom believers tell the most blatant lie when they promise to pray for somebody else we write whatsapp messages praying for you if they prayed at least that at that moment when they said they we are praying for you hallelujah they have prayed for a second we make promises i will follow you i will go wherever you send me wherever you want me here i am available but then we look for excuses today god is telling some of us to throw away our excuses and to prioritize the completion of the promises we have made i was resting in a pastor's house you know one of the joys of becoming old is that people tell you pastor you had something to do with my spiritual formation ah, that's a very rewarding feeling i was resting in the home of a very successful pastor and uh, he was bearing a testimony about his wife he said acha on the last day of the month my wife doesn't sleep till she has met the new day of the month and she wants to be the first person to send in our family's contribution to the church 
the first of every calendar month there is this lady who remains in prayer through midnight so that she can click her commitment to the church as an act of oh, what an enthusiasm you have made promises of sacrificial support missional engagement you have contracted your time you see foxes have holes you have many holes but there are so many homeless people can i hear stories about some radical disciples of the lord who speak in tongues who have sold a home or a field so that they will have the honor and the privilege of housing the homeless is it impossible for you outside your reach the affection the spirit can bring into your heart and lastly god wants us to have our power under control the powers of wisdom the power of the gifts that god has given to us it is not to bring down condemnation upon people it is to travail in your strength to struggle in your strength and giftings for the salvation of even those who reject us sons of thunder yes you have power and authority but you are called to serve a gracious long suffering patient understanding shepherd who would give his life that the rebellious will be released from punishment what is god speaking to you today i am 100% sure the holy spirit is speaking to you all that needs to be done is to throw away our fetters our obstacles our conditions our fears our arguments to delay obedience and to tell the lord these elements witness to us he didn't delay obedience he had a focus he had set his face to go to jerusalem that you and i will celebrate his commitment and focus and dedication they are inviting us to join him in that journey all the way to be identified with his priorities and purposes may the holy spirit guide you